0: Luke, the 16th chapter, Luke chapter 16, let's pray together, all of us here and in Sarasota and watching by internet, let's release our faith. You know that I don't have anything unless the Lord would give it to me and you wouldn't get anything unless the Lord give you ears to hear, but let's join our faith together, right? You believe and I believe, the Holy Spirit always faithful. Father, we agree together. As touching this, asking you for utterance right now. Uh, Lord, I'm asking you, since I'm the one that, that you're using tonight to speak, speak through me, beyond me. And give us ears to hear and eyes that see and hearts and minds that can understand. Perceive and receive. Let there come answers to questions, direction for the next step right now wisdom from you and understanding and knowledge, the manifestation of the gifts of your spirit in revelation and power and utterance. We purpose not to be forgetful hearers or hearers only, but by your grace to be doers of it. And we know when we put it into practice and do it, things will happen because you always watch over your word and perform it in the lives of those who do. Faithful are you who have called us who also will do it. And we give you the glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Said out loud. I'm a, doer. I'm, a doer. I'm, a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Of the word of God. Of word of God. Did you know that is the key. To miracles. Yes. Yes. You know that's what Jesus mother told him. At the wedding feast of Canaan. Where the first miracle of Jesus occurred. She turned to him and said. Whatever he says to you. Do it. And they did. And that's when the water turned into wine. And if you look at miracle after miracle, he'd say, rise, take up your bed and walk. They'd do it. And a miracle happened. Stretch forth your hand. They did it. And a miracle happened. Right? Whatever he says to you, do it. And miracles will happen. Reckon he'll say something to us tonight? So be it. So be it. In Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke 16. And verse uh, 10, Luke sixteen ten says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in that which is least is unjust also in much. If, therefore, you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. People try, but Jesus said you can't do it. You can't do it. Who can serve two masters? Nobody. Nobody can. Why? Well, they get in the way of each other. You can't have two heads. You can't have two number one spots. They're going to clash. They're going to conflict. Going to happen. You can't have two gods with equal place in your life. You, you can't put two first place in your life. Can't. And uh, here he mentions specifically, you can't serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is riches, wealth, material things personified. It's wealth as a God. Read the next verse here, verse 14. The Pharisees also who were covetous. Now, the Pharisees were the educated theologians of their day. They were, if you will, the word people of their day, but letter of the word, educated, literate, studious, law, quoters, but they were what? Covetous, covetous. Now the word covetous has to do with longing for something, desiring something, and apparently he's talking about money, and things. When they heard all these things, they derided him. In Verse 15, he said to them, you are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. Men look on the outward appearance and maybe try to guess at what's going on inside people. But God doesn't have to guess. He looks straight through into the inside. He knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Does God have a different value system and different priorities than this ungodly world and unbelievers? Certainly, certainly he does. So mammon is money and things as a God. And why would anybody uh, worship money and things more than God? Oh, millions do. They wouldn't say it, but their actions demonstrate it. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You can find out a lot about yourself. Tonight, this weekend, go home. Look at your finances for the last 10 years. Or just last year. (laughs) Or just this year. You see what your priorities are pretty quick. Look at your time. Which is much more valuable than your money. Money can be replenished and replaced. Time, once you've spent it, you can never respend that day. What do you spend most of your time on? When you got free time, what do you do with that? Well, that shows your priorities. That shows your values. Say laugh. And the good news is, it's not over. You're still breathing, right? Possibly could still have some more days, right? What do we want to do with them? Who is our God? Who is our master? Is making a living our master? Is getting what we want for our hobbies, our recreation, our retirement? Not to say you can't have and enjoy some things, but you can't have two masters. You can only have one, number one spot. Everything else would have to be way down the list somewhere, or down the list somewhere. So uh, money and things can be a useful servant, but it's an evil master, and it's a pitiful God. And money cannot fix everything, and money cannot give you everything. Uh, The Bible talks about in the Psalms about the value of a soul, that it ceases forever, forever. You are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. There's not enough wealth in the planet to redeem one soul. You can't even buy a good friend. <laughs> if they're the kind of friend that can be bought, they're not a good friend.
1: Is that right?
0: <laughs> you can't buy loyalty. You can't buy faithfulness. You can't buy peace. You can't buy joy. You can't buy healing. I mean there's so much. Money and things can't touch. You could have billions of dollars. And that won't make you blessed. Hmm? You could have nine mansions. And 12 airplanes. And yachts. and, And be miserable. And be suicidal. People are. And on the other hand. It's not being destitute that makes you happy either. No. Right? <laughs> not being able to pay your bills. That's not the secret to joy. Fulfillment in life. Is it? <laughs> no, no. And people say, well, like the Bible said, money is the root of all evil. The Bible didn't say that. That's a misquote. It's the love of money. Big, big difference. You can love money and not have any. They're people absolutely destitute, and all they do is long for and dream for having things and getting something. They're covetous. Well, if you can love money without having any, you could have some without loving it. Surely. So we are on a crusade around here to stamp out covetousness, (laughs) covetousness. We want to be blessed, we want to be a blessing, but we want to get rid of all the love of it and all the covetousness. I changed my vocabulary several years ago. I don't use the word love loosely. I don't love food, I don't love cars, I don't love clothes, I don't love houses, I don't love things, and I use the word advisedly. A lot of times the reason people say, I just love my, is because they do. And that's not good. You shouldn't love things. Everything down here, everything you could own is like a gallon of milk. It's got an expiration date on it. Do you know it? It's rusting, it's rotting, soon and very soon it's going to be gone, it's not going to matter. You love God and you love people. Right? And you love God's things, his spirit, his will, and his way. But we don't love material things, and we certainly don't love money. No. Say out loud. I don't, love money, I don't love money. And I don't serve money. I, serve money. I, love, God. I love God. Jesus, Jesus. Is, my master, is my master, my one and only, one and only. master. Amen. Is that true? Yes. yes. If it's true, your life will show it. Your life will be quite different from most people on the planet if Jesus really is your master. A lot of people claim him as Savior, but he's not really Lord. Lord means you do what he tells you to do on a Monday, (laughs) on a Thursday (laughs) afternoon, and every time in between. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, please. 2 Corinthians 11. We've already covered a lot of ground on this subject. So if this is the first time you've been with us in the series, let me encourage you. Go online, download the previous messages. won't cost you anything. You can listen to them or you can watch them. And uh, those of you that were here, would it be worth their time to to get involved in it? It's, It's very important. We believe the Lord is preparing us for what's coming. We believe it's His will. That we qualify to handle more. And in order to qualify with him to handle more. You've got to get rid of covetousness. And uh, don't think that you've never had any issues with it. Because I assure you, you have. You got flesh. Hmm? And uh, if you want something too much. You'll go too far. To get it. You'll compromise your your morals, your values, what you know to be wrong and, and right. And uh, in order to, to qualify to handle more of the Lord's resources, you can't do that. you got to pass tests and not love it. In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter in the third verse, 2 Corinthians eleven three, 3, he said, I fear Lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. We see that Eve was beguiled and deceived. And we know that it happened, like 1 John talks about, through the desire of the eyes, the desire of the flesh, and the pride of life. She looked at how attractive the fruit was. She imagined how good it would taste. And she thought about how elevated and uplifted she would be to have wisdom like God. And she was deceived. The devil wasn't trying to help her out. He was trying to steal from her. He's the original con man. And he got her confidence to do what he said and he stole everything from her. And he said, that's what the Spirit of God through Paul is saying here, I don't want that to happen to you. What happened to Eve to happen to you. Skip down to the uh, 13th verse. He said there were individuals there in the church, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Keep going. No marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing. If his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. We've talked about this already. One of the big things that the enemy has been able to accomplish in the modern world is he's got most of the world believing there is no devil. So he's able to operate unchecked. And even some people that believe in God... Don't believe in the devil. And of course the devil's great with that. He wants you to blame God for everything he's doing. And most of the church world does. The enemy comes and steals and kills and destroys. And you will hear most of the church world. I mean I heard just recently a pastor talking about how God destroyed their church. With a storm. Well, see, he's acting like there's no devil. He's acting like there is no destroyer. And the devil's great with that. Sure, he wants you to be mad at God. God, why'd you do this to us? Why'd you take this away from us? Why'd you steal our loved ones with that rent? Why'd you take our babies with that disease? Millions of Christians are ignorant and confused about who's doing the killing and stealing and destroying when Jesus said it very clearly and plainly in John 10.10 and many other places. The Bible said everybody that Jesus healed, everybody that he healed was oppressed of the devil. Well, when did sickness and disease start being blessing from God instead of oppression from the devil? You got millions of folks that are confused about this. But if people do believe in a devil, they're looking for this character with horns and a red suit and a tail and a pitchfork. Or they're looking for some Hollywood version of this fire-breathing monster. But he doesn't come like that. He's subtle. He comes as an angel of light. That's how he comes. He's very crafty. He's very deceptive. And we see that he's always trying to deceive. He's trying to steal through deception. He's trying to take away what's ours, what we should have, what we should enjoy, even things that have been provided for us in redemption. If he can convince us of lies, he can keep us out of it. The way it works is deception. The reason it works is covetousness. Covetousness is the hook that the enemy can use to mislead and to deceive. Go with me to 1 John, please. 1 John, the second chapter. Let's look at that passage that we just referred to. I'm reading the Message Bible. 1 John 2.15, the Message. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Did you know that covetousness can choke the word out of your life? Did you know that? Covetousness can choke the word out of your life. Just stay where you are and put up for us. Mark 4.19, pop that on the screen for us please. Mark 4.19 in the parable of the sower, Jesus said this, Mark 4.19, he said the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust or desires of other things, they enter in and do what? Choke. Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. If Jesus hadn't said that, I'd hardly believe it. We're talking about the incorruptible word of God. Right? The word that brought heaven and earth into existence. That word can come to you and I. We can even hear it and receive it and it get in us. And yet if we yield to the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and lusts of other things, it can choke that word to the point that it produces no results in our life. Like I said, I'd hardly believe it. Except Jesus had said it. But he said it, it's it got to be true. And if you look around you can see. A lot of people hearing a lot of good word. Not getting as many results though. That means something is hindering it. Something is in the way. Is it true that cares and deceitfulness of riches and lust and desires for other things can choke the word? Out of our life. So that even though we heard it. We were in good meetings. We watched good messages on TV. We heard good uh, CDs and DVDs. We were in good services. We heard it. We rejoiced over it. We said hallelujah. We took notes. We got it in us. We made good confessions for three weeks. But we let this take preeminence. And it choked the word out of us. Is this true? then we ought to see to it that we don't do this. Luke 8.14 says it this way. Luke 8.14, that which fell among the thorns are they, they heard they go forth and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to perfection. Well, what has happened then, something in this life, some kind of pleasure, some kind of thing, some kind of desire, has become more important to that person than the things of God. That's also why people quit going to church. They quit reading their Bible. They quit praying. They get caught up in pursuits of these things. And even though good word had been put in them previously, that word is choked out. Just like good seed in a garden gets choked out by weeds and things because they were left unchecked and unhindered. And is choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So how much results of the word in that person's life? None. 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 Go with me back to 1 John then. These two go hand in hand. You can, 1 John 2.15. In the message here. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world does what? That's that same choking idea, isn't it? Squeezes out love for the Father. That's one reason I said, you know, I got that word out of my vocabulary talking about things and stuff in this life. It shouldn't just be that we don't use the word, but that we don't actually love it. And when you see it for what it really is, you don't love it. I mean, you know, I grew up in the South and the country and we were all hot rod heads around there. And I like a good fast car, like a good fast motorcycle, like a good fast boat, good fast airplane. Yeah. Yeah. I like something that when you push the pedal down it rattles the windows. Yeah. yeah. But but it's just a car. Right. You see people trying to fellowship with their cars. <laughs> oh, right? I mean, oh man, they wash them and wax them. I asked me how I know. <laughs> and they baby them and they call them their baby and they name them and everything that car will never fellowship with you back it's steel and plastic and rubber and cast iron and aluminum it's a thing and in a few days it's going to be ashes Bible said everything down here is going to melt with fervent heat and they'll search and search and nobody will be able to find their Camaro or Mustang <laughs> Chevelle, or whatever it is that you like. There ain't going to be any. We'll have something better. Yeah, yeah, that's I right. said, We'll have something better. Come on. That's not corruptible. Right. That doesn't rust. And that's not limited to 500 horsepower. That's
1: right.
0: Or 500 miles an hour. I'm looking forward to it. So everything down here is just a temporary. Wearing away, wearing out thing. And to love it shows deception. It shows that you think this is all there is. You think this is all that matters. And that's why you get so upset if something happens to it. If it gets broken or if it gets damaged or, or something, you know, because your, your baby has a dent in it, it's a fender. They made three hundred thousand of them, right? Or a million of them. Get you another one. Don't miss a beat. Or just, you know, back it up and put a new one up under. it. <laughs> but clothes, jewelry, houses, things, money—it's good tools. It's a good servant. It's an evil master. It's a pitiful God. And we're not to covet it. We're not to long for it. We're not to dream about it. And we're not to compromise ourselves to get it. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Say it out loud again. I don't love money. I don't love love things. Cars. Houses. Jewelry. jewelry. Guns. Guns. Boats. Boats. Airplanes. Airplanes. I don't love things. I love God. I love people. people. And I have one master. I I serve Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If this is real in you, you'll live differently than most people do. You'll act differently. You'll treat things differently. It'll be easy come, easy go. Freely you've received and it just passes right through. Anything you have You'll give it, you'll sow it, you'll turn loose of it. You're not married or locked in to any vehicles or any houses or any lands. Come on, are you listening to me? I've seen many a person miss the plan of God for their life because they wouldn't leave a little patch of ground, because they wouldn't leave a little house or a big one. Well, their actions prove they love that more than they love pleasing God. It's happening right and left. And Colossians 3 5, I believe it is, says covetousness is idolatry. It's having another God. It's loving something more than you love God. It really is is pitiful. Because, you know, a lot of people have stayed out of church to work on their car. And they wouldn't want to admit it. But what did you just prove? Yeah. You love that car That's right. more than you love the Lord and his things. That's right. More than you love his word and his people. Wow. Well, I just like to do this. Yeah, but is that the only time you can do that is during <laughs> church time? <Yeah. laughs> or whatever it is else it might be. People love golf more than they love God. People love fishing more than they love God. Not that you couldn't play golf, but Why has that got to be first? Why does it have to displace God's things? And many wouldn't admit it, but they love trivial, pitiful, temporary stuff more than they love the word, God, church, his things, his people. They prove it day in, day out. Read it again. Verse 15. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. 1 John 2.15 Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world. Wanting your own way. Wanting everything for yourself. Wanting to appear important. Has nothing to do with the Father. Read the New Living Translation. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Now, I'm reading these because I want you to hear these other phrases for pride of life in the King James. What is the pride of life? It's the pride of your life, the pride of your accomplishments, your position, your possessions. It is literally being proud of what you've done, what you have. And it is, it vies for God's place in your life. In in going for that, you can choose that instead of God. The English Standard Version says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Does this sound like you can't serve two masters? Yes. You can't, if you're full of love for this, that's what you're going to give your time to? That's what you're going to give your money to? And that means God doesn't have that place. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Keep reading. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, now that has to do with Sensation what you want to feel, what you want to experience in the flesh. And the desires of the eyes. That's what you want to see. That's what you want to imagine. That's what you want to think about. And the pride in possessions, in your accomplishments and what you have. It's not from the Father. It's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Pride of life. I'm going to say a phrase and then expand on it. If you're proud of what you have now. God can't give you more. That's in the way of you qualifying for more. What can you handle without getting in a proud, dumbed-down state, spiritually and mentally? The further I go with this, the more I see, you, me, all of us, the reason so many people have not been handling more of kingdom resources is because they simply don't qualify. They've handled a little bit. And went off the tracks with that. They got in a, in a state of mind and they got haughty and lifted up in pride. Now, everybody likes to think that no matter what they had available to them, they wouldn't change. Everybody likes to think that. <laughs> but the truth is far different. The Bible said this is one of the thing or reveals. This is one of the things that actually happened to the devil himself. He got lifted up because of his pride and his place and his possessions, and he came to the place where he became deceived and, and stupefied. That's a word we're going to see. How many understand? It is a stupefying state. To think you can successfully fight God <laughs> huh? and overthrow God. That's, that is a stupefied <laughs> state of mind. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Well, he's not the last one that got that way. Go with me to Timothy, please. First Timothy. And the third chapter. First Timothy 3. As long as you love it, you don't qualify for God to give it to you. Hmm? Are y'all with me? If God's going to give you a car, it can't take you away from him. He's not going to give you something that will take you away from him. He's not going to give you something that's going to take his place in your life. He's not going to do it. Now that doesn't mean you can't get it because you can get things apart from God. You can get things through lying, stealing, begging, borrowing. I mean, there's other ways to get stuff besides God adding it to you. Mm -hmm. But it'll be a burden. It won't be a blessing. If you add it to yourself through questionable means, it'll be a burden. But the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. When the Lord adds it to you, there'll be no, there's no downside. There's no negative. You'll enjoy it, right? It won't be a burden. But for him to add it to you, it has to come his way. And he's not going to add it to you if you're not handling what he's already put in your hands correctly, or if it would take you away from him. Now we talked about this in uh, Proverbs. We we talked about the get rich quick thing. And we talked about the big deal. And we talked about spiritual con men. There have been many Christians and many churches that have been stolen from because they bought into the con of some big deal that somebody's about to do. And of course it's secretive and complicated and, and I can't tell you about it but you just have to have faith. <laughs> well that's half a verse. That's right. The Bible didn't say have faith in strange brethren. It said have faith in God. You don't trust people like you trust God. <laughs> I kind of like the one T-shirt I saw one time says, we trust in God, all others pay cash. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm not saying you can't trust people, but you trust people relatively in terms of how they've been in your life, if they've been faithful or truthful or not, and according to what you get in your heart about it. You don't just blindly trust people. Uh, Christians are really confused about this issue. They think loving people means trusting them blindly. It does not. You can love people and not trust them at all. And if somebody just lies to you, lies to you, lies to you, and you just trust them blindly again thinking that's love, that's foolish. That's the devil taking advantage of you because of your ignorance. God you can completely trust. Right. He has never lied to anybody and he never will. And if he tells you something, no matter if you can see it, understand it or not, trust him, trust him completely. But people, people, that's it's another story, entirely a different story. Anyway, let's read this and we'll go on. First Timothy 3. And verse 5, he's talking about qualifications for leadership, pastors. Verse 6, let's just go on for time's sake. He says these leaders, these pastors, must not be a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Let me read another translation. The NIV says he must not be a recent convert. Or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. The Living Bible says the pastor must not be a new Christian. Because he might be proud of being chosen so soon. And pride comes before a fall. Satan's downfall is an example. Listen to the Amplified. You'll see where I got this word. Amplified says, he must not be a new convert or he may develop a beclouded and stupid state of mind. (laughs) Have you ever heard the phrase, it went to their head? What went to their head? This all at once increase of position and ability and power, they did not handle it right. They were not yet qualified to handle it properly. It's demonstrated by what they did with it. They, they got puffed up. He may develop a beclouded and stupid state of mind as the result of pride and be blinded by conceit and fall into the condemnation that the devil once did. This is the same thing that happened to the devil. There was a time When the devil was not the devil. He was a created being, an angel, and he was glorious. And he was given preeminent place. And he was in the presence of God and around the things of God. And he was accepted and everything was great and wonderful and glorious. We don't know for how long. It might have been millennia. It might have been longer. We don't know. But there came a time when he got to thinking more highly of himself than he should have. And he got to wanting more than what he had. He had amazing things from God. And he got to the point where he didn't appreciate that anymore. He became unthankful for where he was and what he had. And he longed for and coveted something that was forbidden. And in coveting that, something became Himself and what he wanted became more important to him than his creator. Can you see this, saints? And in that happening, he became deluded, deceived, as brilliant of a creature as he was. He became deluded and deceived and his heart became dark. And nobody tempted him to do this. There was no devil tempting him. He came up with it himself. And there's no redemption for him. And I'm not going to cry when he's put away. Hmm? But the Bible warns us lest the same thing happen to us. Now, I was mentioning that a lot of people have been taken advantage of with these cons. And you got to watch about the big deal. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. The big deal. What's the big deal? The big deal that's going to bring millions and billions to the people of God and the kingdom of God and it's just going to happen all at once and we'll be able to pay off everything you know, everything we ever wanted, everything we ever needed and everything for the church and the kingdom and won't even have to work again and won't even have to Believe God again and we don't even have to pray again. (laughs) How could that be God? Whoever does it gets the glory. And if these people are able to pull this deal off. That sets everybody for life. They're going to get the glory. Not God. Now, we should have some big harvest. And we should have some big things happen from time to time. But God's never going to do anything that we never have to look to him again. (laughs) We never have to walk by faith anymore. Uh, Never. Never. And he does things progressively in our life. As we are able to handle it. Is everybody awake? Let let me read a scripture to you. In Exodus 23. You don't have to turn there. But Exodus 23, 29. He's telling them about giving them Canaan's land. Which is a type of all our blessings in Christ. He said, God says, I'm not going to drive them out before you in one year. I'm not going to do it all at once. Lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against you. Verse 30. By little and little I will drive them out before you until you be increased. You get to where you can handle it and take care of it and inherit the land. Can you see this, saints? This is the principle of God. Why? Because if they got it all at once, they can't inhabit it. It's going to grow up. The lions and bears are going to multiply and it's going to get out of hand. They can't handle it. He's going to give it to them progressively as they increase and are able to handle it. In Luke 16, where we've been reading the study, he that's faithful in that which is least. Would be faithful in much. God has always done this. He always operates this way. He gives you a little, and whatever you do with that determines if you get more and how quickly you get more. And if you come into a windfall of $500 and you change and you get a little bit snooty. And somebody else over here gets a windfall of $45. And you go, oh, that's all right. But I'm telling you what, you need to step on up here to the $500 club. Because <laughs> we're really doing something now. <laughs> what am I talking about? So, is God going to drop a million on you next week? <laughs> you're, you're struggling with your 500 Is he going to give you the whole land all at once? No, he's not. He's going to give it to you by little and by little as you and I are increased and able to handle it. And we're demonstrating to him right now how much we're able to handle. There's a whole lot of folks. I know we don't like to think it, but there's a whole lot of folks. If they had an extra million in cash sitting in their accounts by tomorrow, they wouldn't be in church next Sunday. They'd be gone making their dreams come true. They'd be, the next thing you know, they'd be down on some beach backslid. That's (laughs) right. I had a preacher friend of mine one time. He he went to some exotic beach and and he was single and he came back. I said, Well, how's your vacation? He said, Oh, Brother Keith. He, He said, fighting lust devils all week is not really a vacation. He said, said, all these people's naked out here. I'm a single young man. I said, you're right. He said, I thought I need to go back to the house. (laughs) Say it out loud. Don't love the world. Don't love the world. We're not just loving what our flesh could feel and experience. We're not just loving what our eyes could see and experience. Say it out loud. I love God. I love God. I love his people. I love his, I love his things. Yeah. I, have one I have one master. One master. We must qualify to handle more. And we do so by being faithful. And it's got to get to where it doesn't mean much to you. As long as you love it and you think it's so big then you might be able to get it some way, but God can't give it to you. He can't add it to you because he's not going to add anything to you that's going to take you away from him or that's going to replace him in any degree or measure. He's not going to do that. I'm glad he wouldn't. So what can you handle before you go into a clouded and stupid state of mind? (laughs) What can I handle? What can God do for us? How much money can he flow to us and through us? Huh? How many people? How many of the size of our meetings? The size of our ministry? The size of our outreaches? Before we get to talking too much about the numbers. How big it is. What we've done. Hmm. Comparing it to what somebody else has done. Come on are you listening? How many remember the Bible says if you compare yourselves among yourselves, you're not wise. That's a foolish thing to do. Why? Because you you don't know what the Lord gave them. How many remember the guy that that multiplied his two talents got exactly the same uh, commendation as the guy that multiplied his five? Well, how could the Lord expect ten out of him if he only gave him two? And he gave the other guy five. He's not, we're not rewarded based on notoriety or size or quantity. We're rewarded according to our faithfulness. Our faithfulness with what we've been given. Right here and right now. What can the Lord add to you without us getting off in our mind? Without us getting haughty? snooty we talked about faith response versus covetous response i need to review a couple of things some i know some folks weren't even there but some folks that were there weren't there too so <laughs> we, we let's see. <laughs> we talked about this i feel that we should go over it again said out loud faith response faith response Or covetous response. response. Somebody walks up to you tonight or tomorrow, anywhere, you don't know them. You don't know them. And they say, I'm going to give you a million dollars. What do you do? What's your response? What's your response? I'm going to give you a million dollars. What's your response? Now some were here. And that's when we got mixed responses. If you go ballistic. And you go. Wowie zowie. A million dollars. A million dollars. A million dollars. Do you need my account information? <laughs> that is covetous response. It's <laughs> that's that's quiet. You don't know anything about this person. You don't know who they are. You don't know what's in their mind or heart. You don't know if they can do it or if they can't. A lot of people talk a lot of stuff and it never happens. It's just, just a bunch of talk. They're trying to impress somebody. You don't know about the circumstances. You don't know what kind of conditions they may be about to put on you. You don't know any of that. You got no witness from him about it. So if you're super excited, there's only one thing you're super excited about. That's the money. God's not factoring in the picture. Because if God was the most important thing, you wouldn't assume they could do it, or that if they could, you're supposed to receive it from them. And the truth is, the vast majority of church-going people if they're actually going to give them that money. They're not even going to pray about it. It's a million dollars. What is there to pray about? I'm going to tithe off of it. That means you don't qualify. For God to give it to you. You love it too much. <laughs> Go to Genesis. Let's talk about it some more. How many masters do you have? One. Who's your master? Jesus. Million dollars. Million dollars is involved, you don't even have to check with the master, right? Just- <laughs> if the amount's large enough, you don't even have to check to be led, pray, nothing, right? Hey a million dollars. <laughs> like I said, we looked at this before, but how many think we should go over it again? Can you tell already? Can you feel the excitement in the room? I got almost hear some folks, well, I was excited about the million dollars. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and that's why we're talking. <laughs> that is covetous response. And it's why people don't qualify. And you also find the same folks that would only get excited about the money and not think about anything else relative to it are also the folks that will judge other people. For how they spend their money. And they'll say negative things. About them behind their back. And they'll say did you hear. They spent X amount. On that house. Did you hear how big that house is. Did you hear how much they spent on that car. Can you believe that. That could have been sold. And given to the poor. (laughs) Do you know how many people. That would help. Man if I just had the paintings. Off the wall in their house. I could finance the gospel in South Texas. Why are you talking about their money and their paintings? What's that got to do with you? That's you coveting their money. Millions of people don't realize this. They don't realize the problem is with them. They are guilty of what they're accusing these people of doing. They themselves are. Romans, the second chapter. Put it up on the screen for us. Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Did you know that could have been sold and given to the poor is a quote from the Bible. Did you know that? How many of you know that's a quote? That could have been sold and given to the poor. That's a quote from the Bible.
1: Yeah.
0: Who said it? Judas. Judas. Yeah. Judas. <laughs> Not Jesus. No. No. <laughs> Jesus told Judas... Leave her alone. Yes right. She's done a good thing. In fact, I'm going to see to it that everywhere this gospel is preached, yeah. what this woman did is going to be told about. That's right. We're talking about tonight in Branson. This could have been sold. Finance the gospel. That is hypocrisy. It's ugly. It's ugly stuff. Because the truth is the Bible goes on to say Judas said that not because he cared for the poor but because he was covetous. He was a thief. He was upset because he couldn't get his hands on that money. He loved the money. Why else would somebody be upset about what a total stranger in another part of the country spent with their own money on their own time on their stuff? Why would you care about it? Why? If you get upset about it, it's because you love money. And it just irks you and hurts you that that money was spent on that instead of what? Instead of what? I could have had some of that. I, I would have I taken some. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Romans 2 and 1, 2, 1 says, therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are that judges, why? For wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judges do the same things. If you didn't love money, it wouldn't bother you at all that they bought their German shepherd a $300,000 collar. It's their dog. It's their money. Their collar. But if you go, that just makes me sick. Yeah, because you love money. You love money. You worship money. If you didn't, you wouldn't care. I'm going to pause right here for a <laughs> Come on, think with me. Think with me. Why would you care about what somebody you don't even know does with their own money? Why would, why would that matter to you at all? It doesn't unless you love money. And if you're judging them for not doing what they should have done with that precious wonderful money then you're revealing that you are guilty of what you're accusing them of you're covetous that's why you keep talking about if I just had one of the paintings off of their wall if I just had the money they'd blow if I just had one shopping trip money what I could do with that money you're coveting. You're longing for their money. And so you don't qualify for God to give it to you. Now you have to think about that and pray about that and put your nose in the book. because When's the last time you heard that preached? <laughs> we need to be reminded of it. Genesis 14. This will help clear that up for you. You might say, well, I don't see what's so wrong with getting excited about the million dollars. I know you don't. That's why we're going to Genesis 14. (laughs) It's Not every day somebody comes up and tells you they're going to give you a million dollars. And there's a reason why. How many would like to qualify for the Lord to trust you with more? And to flow more through your hands and through your life. Okay, I'm telling you, by the Spirit of the Lord, one of the things that qualifies us is we have to get to the place where we don't love it. We don't ooh and ah and go gaga stupefied over a big number. Mm-hmm. Or somebody comes to church and they're a they're a billionaire. They're a man and woman who need saving. And a thousand years from now, nobody will know or care how much money they have. That's right. We're not supposed to be any kind of respecter of persons because of what people have. And when we know who our source is, we'll get free from all this fawning over people and politicizing. And you, know, you understand what I'm talking about? You'll get free. Because you know, I don't need to do that. And even if they told me they want to give it to me, doesn't mean I can or should take it. I've told more than one person. They got healed. They got to the Lord. They got excited and they didn't understand and they, were, they looked too much at me and they were happy that I was involved and they wanted to give me something. I said, no, 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 not now. And this is not right. They're babies. They don't know what's going on. Your healing's paid for 2,000 years ago. I didn't do it. He did it. Right? Amen. You're salvation. No. And sometimes people don't understand. And they'll want to do things. So I don't care whether it's $20 or whether it's $20 million. It's because somebody says, I want to do this. You're not supposed to just look at the amount and go, "Whoo, I'm excited. Look at what Abraham did. Abraham, your father in the faith. Right? You and I have faith just like him. The Bible said in chapter 14 that these kings went to war with each other. Let's see, there were four kings against five kings, I guess it was. And so uh, Sodom and uh, Gomorrah and their kings, they got defeated and they all scattered and fled. Of course, uh, Abram's brother's son, Lot, uh, he and his family had moved to Sodom. So when the armies were defeated, the enemy came in and took everything. Out of the city, they took the people, they took all the livestock, they took all the wealth and left. Well, in verse... uh, 13, there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner. These were confederate with Abram. I want you to notice something. Lot separated himself from Abraham when he didn't have to. He moved to Sodom. Now he's in big trouble. The city's been in all out warfare and the city's been devastated Abraham didn't know it had happened till somebody came and told him. You can be blessed of God to the point where you stay where he tells you to stay and the world's coming apart. You don't even know it unless somebody tells you. He's safe over here. Yeah, he wasn't as close to the mall. Come on, are you listening? But he completely missed a war. Until this happened. And he heard that his brother had been taken captive. He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them to Dan. He divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Now I want you to stop here. This is not what most people would have done. Five kings against four kings, all their armies, cities, devastated. What would most people do? They'd sat in the tent and talked to Sarah and said, I told that boy not to go. <laughs> no, I, t- I did my best to tell him not to do that. It takes faith to search your heart and pray to God and say, Lord, should I do something about this? He's, he's not a general of an army. These are, are armies. But he got it in his heart. That God would help him. And he put together the people he could. And he lit out after them. And found them. And fought them. And beat them. This is a miracle saints. This is a miracle. This is a faith exploit. And. The Bible said he brought back all the goods. He brought back also his brother Lot. His goods the women also. And the people. And verse 17, the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedorlaomer, and the kings that were with him in the valley of Shavah, which is the Kingsdale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand." And Abraham gave him tithes of all. And this was a long time before there was any law about tithing. Something you need to understand, saints. You hear so many people quibble about, why tithing's under the law, and we're not under the law. Faith was before the law in Abraham, and tithing was before the law in Abraham. And it's the same faith we walk by today, and it's the same tithing we live by today. It's not law. It's not legalism. It's honoring God. Yeah. Is God still our source? Yeah. Should we honor him and acknowledge that everything we have came from him and is yeah. by his hand? That's right. Isn't that what he's doing? Yeah. The high priest said, God's delivered your enemies into your hand. He said, that's the truth. And he said, here's the tithe off of everything we got. And he sowed it. Why? Acknowledging. We'd all been killed. We'd have never been able to pull this off. Not tithing is acting like you are your source. I worked for this. I produced this. And I don't need to acknowledge anybody. That's another message. (laughs) He gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abram. So the king came out. The king. See, Abram lives out in the country. Way out. Way way out. He didn't even know there'd been a war. Thank God. How many think you ought to be where God tells you to be? And if you will, no matter what kind of craziness is going on in the world, you can dwell in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. But, because of his love and because of his faith, he left his safety, he left his security, he left his blessed place, and he put his life in his hands with his friends and his servants, and he went out and attacked these trained soldiers. And by the power of God, whipped them and got everything. Well, now he comes back with all the people of the cities, with all the livestock, with all the gold, with all the silver. This is by any measure millions upon millions by today's money. Probably a lot more. Hundreds of millions. This is significant. Well, it's a wealth of cities. Not a million. Scores of millions. Hundreds of millions. And the king shows up. <laughs> He's king of nothing right now. Yeah,
1: that's
0: right. The enemy took all the people, all the stuff. He's king of nothing. Here comes Abraham. The man of God. With all his people. And all his money. And all his stuff. What's he going to do? I'm going to understand. Throughout history. You know who would have been king next? Abraham. He's already in power. This guy would have been booted out of the country. So he comes in an effort to be magnanimous. And he says, Abram, you just give me the people back and you take all the money. You take all the livestock. You take all the gold, all the silver. You take all the jewels. Hundreds of millions of dollars, I suppose. It's the wealth of cities. You have to compare it to whatever it would be today. Would you need to pray about this? Or should you just get excited? <laughs> I said, should you just get excited? You go, it's a hundred million dollars. Hundred million. Ooh, hundred million. Hundred. What can I do with a hundred million dollars? I can build churches. I can get, you know, vacation houses for all my kids and and be set for life. And should you pray about it? Come on, should you pray about it? He had already prayed about it. He knew what was coming by the Spirit of God. Keep reading. Abram said to the king of Sodom. Now who's the king here? Sodom's a king. You wouldn't know it from listening to this. He said, I have lift up my hand to the Lord. I've already, I don't have to think about this. The most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Did Abram know who his source was? Yeah. Is this your father in the faith? Do you have the same kind of faith as Abraham? You do. You're the seed of Abraham by faith in Jesus. Same faith that rested in Father Abraham's bosom is in me, is in you. Same faith, same faith. He's got in his control the lives of all these thousands of people. He's got in his hands all these scores or hundreds of millions of dollars. It's in his hand. Can God trust him with it? How many people's morals and standards would get fuzzy when a hundred million dollars is in play? Why is Abram the friend of God? Why does he have the place in our history that he does? He said, I've lifted up my hand to the Lord, the Most High God, the Possessor of Heaven and Earth, verse 23. I will not take from a thread, that means a string, even to a shoe latchet, that means a lace. I won't take a string or a, a tie, sandal tie, a lace from you. I won't take anything that is yours. Do you mean he's not receiving all this gold? Is this a fairy tale or did this really happen? They're standing out there. Nobody would have believed he could have done it. They put their armies together, they met him with all their force and were defeated crushed. Now he's going to take his 300 and something servants and his neighbors good old boys with their shotguns (laughs) that's what it amounted to these are his his buddies out in the country and you're going to to whip them? Yeah, they hit them at night they hit them hard, they hit them with the Lord before they knew what was going on they were whooped he comes back with all the stuff and the king comes out Humbly, he says, look, Abraham, keep all the money. Keep it all. You can just give me the people back. I'll still be king. You take it all. He looked at me now. He said, I lifted up my hand to God a while ago. I told him, I'm telling you. I wouldn't take a shoestring from you. You can't give me a string. You understand? Nothing. Lest you say you made Abraham rich. Nobody's gonna say it. Why? Did he know who his source was? Come on, say. Did he know who his master was? So is it true that if somebody comes up and says, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, I'm going to give you a million dollars, should you go ballistic? Should you jump up and down? No, no, no. Unless the Lord had already told you something about, this is a stranger, you don't know. Even if they got it, even if they can, you don't know if you should receive it from them. And you should care about something more than you care about the money. Did he pass this test? with flying colors, didn't he? Yes, sir. These kind of things are happening small, and then if you pass tests, they get bigger. A lot of Christians fail little tests like this. They go through the drive through at the fast food place. They give them a 10, and they give them back a 20 and some change. And they leave going, praise the Lord. <laughs> I was needing a 20. I was believing for a 20. I was confessing a 20. That ain't your 20. That's right. That ain't your failing a test. That's right. With God, the end never justifies questionable means, ever, yes, ever. How it comes is at least as important as it coming at all. Wow. Yes, Can you see this, friends? Yes, Can you see this with Abraham? Yes, sir. 15th chapter. Look what happens right after this. Right after he turns down a hundred million dollars. Look what happens. After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, fear not Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. I'm bigger than the wealth of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm bigger than a hundred million dollars. You didn't get to a hundred million but you got me. You've got me. And then God gave him what money couldn't buy. He said, well, God, that's great, but I'm old and I don't even have an heir to leave my fortune to. And without reading the rest of it, you'll see God said, I'm going to fix that for you. And he gave him what a hundred million couldn't buy. And if you read the whole thing, he gave him the $100 too. And if you look around, at one point you know when uh, he said, look north, look south, look east, look west. I'm giving all of this to you. You're getting all of it anyway. Does it matter how things come? Through whom they come? The way they come? And the time they come? But if you love money so much, you won't even ask. You won't want to know. You won't even listen. If it looks like you're about to get what you want or the money that you want, you won't even pray. You won't even check. You won't even look. And you'll miss God. And you won't qualify to handle the bigger things. I I won't claim that I've done everything always perfectly, but I've sent offerings back. I've refused offerings, even big ones. Had somebody tell me a few years ago, they actually told me said that I'm going to put a million dollars in the ministry. I said, okay. They actually got upset. They said, well, you don't act very excited. I said, well, I'm going to have to pray about it. You're going to have to pray about it? I said, yeah. Mm. Turns out they were full of baloney anyway. <laughs> and some of the folks that could do it, shouldn't have done it, wanted to attach all kinds of strings and everything. We're going to take care of you. No, you're not going to take care of me. <laughs> We're going to take care of all that for you. They could have never done this word production center out here. Right. And they could have never funded it every week. Come on, are you listening? Right. With the word supply. They could have never got this property and this 70 acres and the right. place down in Florida all right. and all that's about to come. I know who my source is. Right. Come on, do you know who your source is? He is the creator and the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. I don't need to play politics. I don't need to run around with my hat in my hand. Try to beg somebody and see if they'll do something for me. It's a privilege to get to be used of God in these things. And this is not just happening just any old way. God has a very specific plan about who's supposed to be involved in the finances and how much and where, because these things are going to be remembered forever. These folks that have sown these seeds, you, others that have sown into these things, it produces like the Lord intends for it to produce. Many years from now, past this life, you'll be acknowledged for it. And others won't. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be some justification for that. Why? Because you valued it and they didn't. Right. It was important to you and it wasn't to them. And for you to get reward and get blessed and get acknowledged when other people didn't, there's got to be some kind of good reason for that. He knew your heart, He knew what you'd do, He knew you before you were born. And He allowed you. Instead of having to give, it's getting to give. Yeah. Getting to be a part of something that lasts forever when all this other stuff will be gone. Mm-mm-mm. I believe the Lord is speaking to our hearts. I believe He's working in us, in our hearts and minds, with His Spirit. I believe it is His desire for us qualify, to handle more, to get completely rid of all love of money and love of stuff and nobody can buy us. They can't move us with money. They can shout all the numbers they want to. When you've seen the greatest one of all, the other stuff doesn't impress you as much. Is that right? When you know who your source is, you don't fall over yourself about a large amount of money that's not going to amount to anything later on thank God for those that obey and thank God for needs being met and things being done but I know who my source is yeah. Yeah. say it out loud I know who my source is yeah. stand on your feet everybody say I know who my source is yeah. acknowledge him and lift up your hands to him let's just worship him something. just say Lord I know you are my source I know You are the one that I always look to. You are the one that I trust completely. You are the one. I don't look to man. I don't trust in man. Flesh is not my arm. Man is not my source. You are my source. You are my source. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.